Chapter One of Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Morendo 07. Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book Two by Niccolo Machiavelli. Translated by Ninian Hill Thompson. Chapter One whether the empire acquired by the romans was more due to valour or to fortune many authors and among others that most grave historian plutarch have thought that in acquiring their empire the romans were more beholden to their good fortune than to their valour and besides other reasons which they give for this opinion they affirm it to be proved by the admission of the romans themselves since their having erected more temples to fortune than to any other deity shows that it was to her that they ascribed their success it would seem too that titus livius was of the same mind since he very seldom puts a speech into the mouth of any roman in which he discourses of valour wherein he does not also make mention of fortune this however is an opinion with which i can in no way concur and which i take it cannot be made good for if no commonwealth has ever been found to grow like the roman it is because none was ever found so well fitted by its institutions to make that growth for by the valour of her armies she spread her empire while by her conduct of affairs and by other methods peculiar to herself and devised by her first founder she was able to keep what she acquired as shall be fully shown in many of the following discourses the writers to whom i have referred assert that it was owing to their good fortune and not to their prudence that the romans never had two great wars on their hands at once as for instance that they waged no wars with the latins until they had not merely overcome the samnites but undertook in their defence the war on which they then entered nor ever fought with the etruscans until they had subjugated the latins and had almost worn out the samnites by frequent defeats whereas had any two of these powers while yet fresh and unexhausted united together it may easily be believed that the ruin of the roman republic must have followed but to whatsoever cause we ascribe it it never so chanced that the romans engaged in two great wars at the same time on the contrary it always seemed as though on the breaking out of one war another was extinguished or that on the termination of one another broke out and this we may plainly see from the order in which their wars succeeded one another for omitting those waged by them before their city was taken by the gauls we find that during their struggle with the equians and the volscians and while these two nations continued strong no others rose against them on these being subdued there broke out the war with the samnites and although before the close of that contest the latin nations had begun to rebel against rome nevertheless when their rebellion came to a head the samnites were in league with rome and helped her with their army to quell the presumption of the rebels on whose defeat the war with samnium was renewed when the strength of samnium had been drained by repeated reverses there followed the war with the etruscans which ended the samnites were once more stirred to activity by the coming of paris into italy when he too had been defeated and sent back to greece rome entered on her first war with the carthaginians which was no sooner over than all the gallic nations on both sides of the alps combined against the romans by whom in the battle fought between populonia and pisa where now stands the fortress of san vincenzo they were at last routed with tremendous slaughter 
This war ended, for twenty years together the Romans were engaged in no contest of importance, their only adversaries being the Ligurians and the remnant of the Gallic tribes who occupied Lombardy, and on this footing things continued down to the Second Carthaginian War, which for sixteen years kept the whole of Italy in a blaze. This too being brought to a most glorious termination, there followed the Macedonian War, at the close of which succeeded the war with Antiochus and Asia. These subdued, there remained not in the whole world, king or people who either singly or together could withstand the power of Rome. But even before this last victory, anyone observing the order of these wars and the method in which they were conducted, must have recognized not only the good fortune of the Romans, but also their extraordinary valor and prudence. And were any one to search for the causes of this good fortune, he would have little difficulty in finding them, since nothing is more certain than that when a potentate has attained so great a reputation that every neighboring prince or people is afraid to engage him single-handed and stands in awe of him, none will ever venture to attack him unless driven to do so by necessity so that it will almost rest on his will to make war as he likes on any of his neighbours while he studiously maintains peace with the rest who on their part whether through fear of his power or deceived by the methods he takes to dull their vigilance are easily kept quiet distant powers in the meantime who have no intercourse with either treat the matter as too remote to concern them in any way and abiding in this error until the conflagration approaches their own doors on its arrival have no resource for its extinction save in their own strength which as their enemy has by that time become exceedingly powerful no longer suffices i forbear to relate how the samnites stood looking on while the romans were subjugating the aquians and the volscians and to avoid being prolix shall content myself with the single instance of the carthaginians who at the time when the romans were contending with the samnites and etruscans were possessed of great power and held in high repute being already masters of the whole of africa together with sicily and sardinia besides occupying territory in various parts of spain and because their empire was so great and at such a distance from the roman frontier they were never led to think of attacking the romans or of lending assistance to the etruscans or samnites on the contrary they behaved towards the romans as men behave towards those whom they see prosper rather taking their part and courting their friendship nor did they discover their mistake until the romans after subduing all the intervening nations began to assail their power both in spain and sicily what happened in the case of the Carthaginians happened also in the case of the Gauls, of Philip of Macedon and of Antiochus, each of whom, while Rome was engaged with another of them, believed that other would have the advantage, and that there would be time enough to provide for their own safety, whether by making peace or war. It seems to me, therefore, that the same good fortune which, in this respect, attended the Romans might be shared by all princes acting as they did, and of a valour equal to theirs as bearing on this point it might have been proper for me to show what methods were followed by the romans in entering the territories of other nations had i not already spoken of this at length in my treatise on princedoms wherein the whole subject is discussed here it is enough to say briefly that in a new province they always sought for some friend who should be to them as a ladder whereby to climb a door through which to pass or an instrument wherewith to keep their hold thus we see them effect their entrance into samnium through the capuans 
into Etruria through the Camatines, into Sicily through the Mamatines, into Spain through the Saguntans, into Africa through Massinissa, into Greece through the Aetolians, into Asia through Eumenes and other princes, into Gaul through the Massilians and Aeduans, and in like manner never without similar assistance in their efforts whether to acquire provinces or to keep them. The nations who carefully attend to this precaution will be seen to stand in less need of fortune's help than others who neglect it. But that all may clearly understand how much more the Romans were aided by valour than by fortune in acquiring their empire, I shall in the following chapter consider the character of those nations with whom they had to contend and show how stubborn these were in defending their freedom. End of chapter 1